Hi, this is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and publisher of Heavy Metal Magazine. The only thing I like more than Justin Bieber is Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess and take that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye bye Saturday night. From a little-known spot behind Sam's second-hand zipper emporium on sub-level 9, deep in Area 51, welcome to TalkCast 372, yet another wasted hour of sci-fi Saturday night, tonight with added sulfur. I'm your host, The Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, we've got the gang here. In the Peabody Time Tunnel, it's our taciturn technical trouble wrangler, Kriana. And she's back. In the stacks of the Dank Dungeons clandestine library found behind the southwest entrance of the Stanley Building at Cyborg University's satellite campus in Duluth, Kentucky, welcome Zombrarian. Right now, I'm trying to figure out if I have the mod that makes it so that if my colonists eat a person, they won't freak out. That would that would be the the zombie mod or the. Eat a person, get a life mod. I'm not. I think it's actually called no guilt cannibalism. <laughs> but there's nuclear winter going on right here, and I'm seriously thinking about slaughtering one of my colonists so the others can live. Just it's like a, a Donner Party point. situation. <laughs> That's the best. Introducing the man who invented the phrase, hey, cold enough for you? It's the man who always thought the earth was the center of the universe. For reasons that should be obvious, our very own futurist gamer, the guy who likes really shiny stuff, it's Awake by Java. Um, I'm printing a skull. Okay. What are you what are you playing tonight? Uh I'm I'm playing printing a skull. Ah. <laughs> How's the 3D printer working? You like it? <sighs> <laughs> I'll take that as a definite maybe. Uh, you know, I sold my little one to some cosplayers. Uh, For and, obvious reasons, yeah. <laughs> and I, it was there. It was actually adorable. They both uh, responded to my Facebook advertisement with the intent of purchasing it for the other person as a Valentine's Day gift that was just slightly selfish. Oh. How cute! And, and so, and so, um, they, I, 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 in my, you know, regular way, uh, you know, messaged both of them and ruined it. <laughs> Why would you do well that? <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't. They had. They have different last names. They and and I couldn't tell that they were connected because I'm not friends with them on Facebook. Oh. But. I responded to both of them and I said, Hey, I've got another person um, 
messaging me for the printer in Avon, I don't know if it's the same person using two different profiles or not. And they said, oh, that's my significant other. Well, not even. It's fine. They got the 3D printer. I'm. A, they haven't yelled at me over Facebook yet, so I assume that they're happy with it. Um, but I have a newer, bigger 3D printer, and um, it is not as as spectacular as the small one. But I can print a full sized, a life sized human skull, which is more useful than you might think. Okay. I mean, maybe. I can't think of a reason I wouldn't want to use that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think you're right. I mean, you know, right. I, between now and Halloween, you should be able to get one full one out. No, it, it's only a, <laughs> it's actually it's a mini human skull, the one I'm printing right now, and okay. it's going to glow in the dark. So it's like a baby's skull. No, it's a fully formed. I mean, a baby skull looks completely different. It looks like an alien. Have you ever seen That's a baby true. skull? I have. Yeah, they're awful. They're awful. They look like. Fun story. Proportionally, like your head grows less than the rest of your body. Yeah, that's why they're so damn cute. Because they've got those adorable big heads. It's just like the pop vinyl figurines. God, I can't. I can't, <laughs> I can't and they've stop. got the big round eyes. Yep. Yeah, I can't. I can't stop. It's like, well, but that one, that one has nothing to do with anything that I'm a fan of. But it's new. And so. there you go. Then you have to have it. Yeah, I, I, I have a pop figurine of Agra from the Dark Crystal. We Maybe just we just watched the Dark Crystal with my kids. How'd that go? I think that they were <laughs> mildly uninterested. <laughs> and, and They're like crushing another childhood. Aside from my own nostalgia trip, I was also mildly not interested. Yeah, but you'd seen it before a number of times. Yeah, but it's it doesn't it doesn't um, it hasn't aged well. I'm I'm actually interested. There really, you feel like it hasn't aged well. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I mean, not, some of the special well effects are have not aged well, but really, I feel like the rest of it is still the story is still fun. The pacing is just so slow. The but we're getting into new stuff because we could talk about the Dark Crystal uh, television show, um, mm. but um, which which is probably our next step. I want to see how, whether or not it that has is interesting or not. Anyway, um, as as an aside note, uh, uh, I was gonna talk about uh, a horrible movie, and I think I'm gonna pass on that. <laughs> our guest tonight. Uh, are from a podcast called the Mad Max Minute Podcast. Rick and Julia Ingham, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for inviting us on. Well, you know, Rick is one of these serendipitous things that happened to us at conventions. I was sitting there with an aching back <laughs> on day two of GraniteCon, and this tall guy walks up to me and goes, can I talk to you about my podcast? literally that's what you did (laughs) and i said to myself okay one of two things is going to happen now i'm going to be wowed or it's going to be oh god oh god no please (laughs) which is the reaction that most people give when dome walks up and says exactly i I mean because that's a reaction i get all the time 
And I mean, and you should. <laughs> but Rick started talking to me about the movie in a minute podcast, the genre. Ex explain to our listeners who are unaware of what this is, what this is. <laughs> well, I don't have my full dissertation on the exact history of the genre in front of me, but the whole idea of taking a movie, breaking it down into little one-minute chunks, and then building an entire episode of a podcast around that one minute of cinema started back with a couple of guys who really loved The Big Lebowski, and they did a podcast called Gutterballs about that same time, not the exact same moment, but roughly within a month of each other, another pair of guys decided, hey, we want to do a Star Wars podcast. And so they started with A New Hope, minute one, from zero on the time scale to one. And that was their first episode, and they just started going. And as they went along, they encouraged their listeners to, hey, if you like this format, feel free to take it and run with it. And... From there, the genre was really born. I mean, Gutterballs technically started it, Star Wars Minute made it big, and as of this moment, there are currently 87 different, we like to call them Movies by Minutes podcasts running that you can just go out and listen to. And each one of them deals with a different genre, a different movie franchise, mm -hmm. or, and for some reason... Rick and Julia decided to go with Mad Max. <laughs> well, so Julia, the, the, ob the obvious question that I have at this point is, why Mad Max? Well, Julia, do you want to get into that? Yeah, well, we wanted to start a creative project. We wanted to do podcasting because we wanted to kind of like have put ourselves out there in the world in some creative way. So we thought that this genre was something that we could do and something realistic. So we racked our brains. And at first we came up with the Harry Potter franchise because I'm a huge, huge Harry Potter fan. Well, we thought about it a little bit too long. And somebody else started up their Harry Potter by Minute podcast. Uh, yeah. Damn so, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we racked our brains again and I... I'm not really sure how we landed on Mad Max. Well, well was, we, was Power Rangers taken? Come on. <laughs> well, for a while there, I was kicking around the Chronicles of Narnia films because <laughs> okay. they're, you know, still that kind of fantasy related. The, Wait, the, that thing old, that I was, the old school BBC ones or the newer ones? Oh, like the new ones. With yeah, they're, they're not consistent enough, though. Yeah, that was the main tripping point. I wanted to throw out a series that Julia was familiar with and that I could get a lot of uh, enthusiasm out. Cause I, I'm the nerd and Julia is the lesser nerd. Like she's, we're different types of geeks. You know what I mean? And I wanted to do this, but I wanted to do it in such a way that she would be totally on board. And when I threw out the Mad Max series, she's like, Oh, I loved watching those when I was at home because her mom, her sister, her they all loved Mel Gibson in those movies, specifically in those movies, in that context. <laughs> um, wow, okay, we, we've really just kind of narrowed it down there. I get yeah. that. 
So we exactly we narrowed it down to the Mad Max series. And then, of course, the question was, well, where do we start? Do we start with the original in 1979 or do we start with Road Warrior, which everyone is more familiar with? And we eventually settled on said, OK, we're going to do all four movies and we're going to do them in release order. And so Jan- the end of January 2017, we started releasing episodes about that first Mad Max movie. And for the next several months, we released 93 episodes. Now, you you literally do two to three episodes a week. Oh, for season one covering Mad Max and season two covering The Road Warrior, we did five episodes a week. Oh, my God. Yep. We are (laughs) gearing up to do Beyond Thunderdome. And for the last two movies, we are actually spacing things out where we're only going to release three episodes a week just to ease up on the production load. That's insanity, but that's okay. <laughs> it's good kind. Yeah. For, so, that, for that first season, we really kept to ourselves. We were very insular, and we didn't even bring someone in as a guest until very late in the, the running. And when we actually did, we actually got one of the hosts of the Star Wars movie, kind of to pay homage to the, the godfathers of the uh, medium. And... When we did season two, we had a different guest on every Friday episode. So we've really expanded the scope of <laughs> of effort that we've had to put into it. <laughs> so, so my question is, do you physically sit and edit a, a, a print of a digital print of the movie so that you you're both looking at that same exact minute? and And how do you get a guest involved in doing that as well? We pull a lot of our guests from the Movies by Minutes community just because everyone is familiar with the format and it's really easy to get them on board with it. We use different programs. I like using my Adobe Suite. A lot of other people um, use other free programs that you can just download. And you can chunk out a movie very easily just telling the program, okay, cut the movie into one-minute chunks and then output, and then it'll just run the process. And the way it works is... You take a specific minute and you send that minute of video to a person. Say, okay, this is what we're going to be talking about on this day at this time. They watch it. They take notes on it. And then when they show up, they've watched the same exact thing that we've watched. And we're all on the same page. You know, I could literally, after each thing that you say, go, that's insane. And yet... yet, when I sat down and listened to a couple of the, the, the podcasts, it's kind of like, yeah, they're getting much more out of this than anyone should. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's an interesting thing. Why? Why do you, what is, what is the aura of the movie by minute by minute for you? What is the allure? I think for me, it is that level of examination you sit down and watch a movie and yeah, you get the the moral of the story and the general themes and you may catch a few small things that connect the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie and go, oh, that's neat. When you examine it minute by minute, oh, oh, wow. It's so minute. <laughs> and it's just, you you get stuff out of the movie that the director and the producer and the writer never intended. Mm. The stuff that just happens by accident and human nature, you find that stuff. You find everything. 
And then your listeners are going to find even more stuff. Now, at the same time that you're producing these these 20, 30-minute podcasts four and five times a week, oh, my God, um, you also have a Facebook group, a discussion group. Mm-hmm. And what happens? what happens in the discussion group? We have a core group of listeners that are especially active in our message board. And really, the Facebook group, which we've affectionately called Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, to be a little cheeky there. But we get a lot of responses to the things that we talk about in our daily episodes. We'll get corrections and omissions and whatnot. We have a handful of listeners who live in Australia, in the area around where the movie was filmed, and they will chipe. Uh, they will chime in with all sorts of fun little factoids about, oh, I drive along this road, and oh, that was not a pickup truck, that was a ute, get it right. You know, things like that. Uh, Constant reminders of me never to do an Australian accent. You know, gentle (laughs) reminders, stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. And I would say the Facebook group is probably the best way that we're able to interact with our listeners, better than Twitter, better than just putting up a blog post and letting everyone pull it off the RSS feed. It's the surest and quickest way to get that instant satisfaction of, Hey, we're producing something and people are actually listening to us. Now you also have a a Patreon group as well. Mm -hmm. And what do they get that the other listeners don't get? (laughs) We actually haven't done too much with the Patreon in season one and season two, but we're really kind of buckling down for season three. Yeah, season three, when we start Beyond Thunderdome, uh, we're also simultaneously going to start a podcast just for the Patreon members. We're doing Hook, uh, not as minutely, five minutes at a time, once a week. Where do you guys find time to breathe? (laughs) (laughs) Because if you did hook a minute at a time, eventually you'd have to do just that minute with the boo box that like still makes me un- feel uncomfortable and panicky <laughs> now these like, I think 23 years after the first time I saw that movie, I'm just like, oh God, not the boo box, not the boo box. <laughs> yeah, when you cut a movie up to one mi- into one minute chunks, you get some very interesting minutes. Oh, yeah. Like uh, Mad Max, the first one, Mad Max 79, there were, I think, three consecutive minutes or so of just Goose riding his motorcycle. Yep. Nothing else. Just, just riding down a road with no landscape around it. Mm-hmm. God. Just Steve Bisley in his leather pants bent over the handlebars of a motorcycle with just engine noise. Yep. So, yeah, you get some really interesting minutes when you do it this way. So, so what do you do with that? You find something, you find some element, and you just go off on that point. Yeah. Even if it's as minute as talking about the area that he's riding on. Um, we're really fortunate that there are fan sites that we can pull information from. So I can look at a scene and be like, oh, that's this road in this area according to this website. And then we can talk about, oh, you know, isn't, you know, going back to the Steve Bisley scene, isn't it great riding a motorcycle? And we'll just start talking about those times where we've hopped on my motorcycle and just gone for rides. And you can pull just little things and 
take it as a tangent. And there are some listeners who don't appreciate tangents. There are some listeners who love tangents. It's all about making sure that that 20 to 30 minutes is worth listening to. I think the worst thing you can do is waste somebody's time. <laughs> and that's, that's what <laughs> we try you know so desperately to avoid. Oh my yeah, God. yeah. <laughs> and there are some minutes that just don't come out that long. What's our shortest minute? Like 12 minutes? I think, our shortest episode. I think 12, 13 minutes is about our yeah. shortest episode that we've ever recorded. Right, because if, if there's no conversation there, like then... <laughs> yeah actually the, the credits, end credits are, the easy, are the easiest yeah they're actually the most fun because what we do for the end credits we don't know so much list off the names and try and talk about every little person the end credits are our opportunity to s- take a step back and evaluate the film as a whole so you've got the opening credits where we're introducing the film you've got the main chunk of the film where we're picking out the minutiae but then for the three to five minutes of credits there at the end, we get to take back step back and be like, okay, so how did Mad Max change over the course of this movie? You know, was Goose a well-developed character? When we look at Toe Cutter, how does he, you know, compare to Fifi McAfee? You know, we can really do these sort of essay prompts for these episodes, and they're a lot of fun to do. Yeah, that's my idea of the of the best thing is writing essays. <laughs> <laughs> what you don't know is that Java means it because he's an English teacher. <laughs> Only slightly better than writing essays is grading them. There you Ooh, go. <laughs> More fun, fun than you should be allowed to have. <laughs> so As you well, have I'm not a teacher. Uh, me either anymore. What can I tell you? Um, so. You're now about to begin on episode three, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what do you do in terms of pre-plan before your first podcast with a new movie? <laughs> well, I think as far as each individual recording is concerned, we all have our different levels of pre-planning. I go a very extensive set of notes. Julia watches the minutes a lot and she looks at it from more of a, you know, emotional side where I look at it as more of like an analytical side. And we try to preload. We try and get as many episodes in the can before we ever start our new season. For instance, we're going to be starting recording for season three in March. We don't even release until the second week of April. We're going to have roughly um six to eight weeks of content in the can before we even start releasing episodes so it's not like we're recording on the day type of thing uh because it does take so long to to edit but we'll watch the minutes we'll take our notes we'll arrange guests doing all of this way ahead of time we spent a lot of time between season one and season two upgrading our equipment to get better microphones, to get a mixing board, to upgrade our software and how we edit. The biggest thing in my book is making sure that I get the minutes cut up and uploaded to a shared drive that we can both watch. Um, I started working on season three content almost immediately after finishing our season two content <laughs> release. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and I 
take the idea of hiatus more seriously. Right. I am <laughs> off of podcast work until. I was going to say Bermuda. Is that where we're going? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. We don't necessarily disappear when we do hiatus either. We don't. take just about 12 weeks between each season. And every other week we, we release a review of a movie that is. Some would say extremely tangentially related to the Mad Max series of movies. For instance, um, this past Wednesday, Valentine's Day, we released our review of a movie called Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin, which is an absolutely atrocious uh, sci-fi B-movie. You're absolutely right. (laughs) (laughs) It was... Thank you. It was something else. But we watched it specifically because Mike Preston plays the role of Jared Sinan. And of course, Mike Preston played the role of Papagallo in Mad Max to the road warrior. And before we reviewed metal storm, if people go to our website, you can find other hiatus episodes where we watched uh, Gallipoli with Mel Gibson. That was mm-hmm. our first hiatus episode this time around. And for a Bruce Spence movie, we watched Werner Herzog's where the green ants dream, which was such a trip. I mean, I'm not a connoisseur of German media, Certainly not a Werner Herzog fanboy or anything like that. So it was <laughs> an interesting exposure to that one. We get to watch a lot of interesting things. We do. Uh, and, and sometimes that can be a very good thing. And then there are the other times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will admit the hiatus episode we have coming out at the end of this month just a sneak peek for everyone we watched commando as kind of a uh palate cleanser after watching (laughs) we needed to watch a good movie yeah yeah we did and it was really fun to see vernon wells go up against the governator after (laughs) after the tragic end he had at the end of road warrior (laughs) so when you record the episode um, you're both sitting there with your notes. Sometimes you have a guest with you as well. Uh, do you edit that episode or does it go out as stream of consciousness? We edit, I think we edit more than a lot of other minute by minute podcasts do. We like to keep it tight. We like to have the conversation crisp and clean and quick. Yeah. I like to edit out instances where one of us will repeat words or I like to shorten long gaps. I try to make the final product as conversationally sound as possible. I want it to sound like there aren't staggered lilts in the conversation because as you probably able to tell, I like to speak in a burst style like (laughs) i'll say a bunch i'll pause a bit and then i'll say a bunch more and so in the editing process i'm able to slim that down and of course when when you're dealing with guests it's always handy to have their native audio on hand so if i need to shift them back a little bit or shift me around or maybe rearrange things so that a laugh break actually makes sense you know i i feel very in control when I get into the editing booth. And I feel like uh, when our raw audio is 40 minutes long and I can edit that down to like 20, 25 minutes, that's when I really feel like I've succeeded. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a conscious decision and, and to edit or not to edit. We used to do this podcast live. 
<laughs> and that was, you know, that that was uh, like playing hot potato with a loaded gun some nights. It was a um, bad idea. It was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It wasn't good. It was bad. And I, actually, when we started off in radio, we did four hours live every Saturday night. And that was insanity. That was absolute insanity. Yeah. So, yeah. but now we go live to tape, and I, I'm rather pleased with that. And but I understand the concept behind. Yeah, let's tighten it up and let's do it. Uh, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, but why don't we do that? Because we're lazy. That's <laughs> true. That's the absolute truth, right there. Yeah. Well, like I said, I like to trim down a lot because. When it comes to people who listen to the Movies by Minute podcast, sometimes they'll listen to four or even five or six of these podcasts at a time. And so you refresh your podcatcher at the beginning of the day and suddenly you've got four, five, seven new episodes that you've got to listen to. And if they go 45 an hour in runtime, you're like, oh, I'm never going to get through this. And so if I if I can keep it tight, I like to. Um, because I mean, I personally, I'm listening to the star Wars minute. They're doing revenge of the Sith. I listen to Harry Potter minute. They're doing chamber of secrets, the two towers minute. They're doing not the theatrical versions, but the extended versions of those Ooh. movies. Um, the Lord of the Rings minute people are absolutely insane, but you know, they live up in Maine with nothing to do. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's, that's the answer we wanted to hear right there. Yeah. So the real the real question for you is this: You are at this point halfway through your source material. So when you started out, blah blah blah, years ago, in that amount of time, from now, you'll be done. Well, that's one of the reasons we decided to go to a three episode a week release schedule because we burned through half of our movies just in the year of 2017. So we're going to more or less dedicate 2018 to Thunderdome, given that we had some hiatus material at the beginning of the year, and we're going to finish out the year with some hiatus material, come back in 2019 for Fury Road, do that three episodes a week, and that will take us through to 2020. And then we'll have to fret about what to do next. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, um, at some point, Take a break, get to know each other again without a movie between you. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> this is possibly... Rewind that for a second. When we first sat down six months ago and you started explaining this to me, part of my head went, this is really interesting. Part of me went, are you kidding? <laughs> and And I think you knew that as as we were talking, because Rick, you and I talked for God close to half an hour, and the more I, I've been playing with the idea and and listening to not just yours but a couple of other uh, movie minute by minute podcasts, uh, part of it is still there, there's still a part of me that goes, "Why are we doing this?" And then there's another part of me that goes. Yeah, they're finding some interesting stuff there, and every once in a while they hit upon something that you're just going to go, well, that was weird. Where did that come from, you know? And I kind of like it. 
a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. The, I mean, the thing about the movie by minute genre is that it more or less is the logical conclusion to what's been happening on review podcasts and YouTube videos and whatnot, where people will sit down and review a movie and run through the plot, commenting on it as they go. It's a very familiar format, but with the movie-by-minute format specifically, it just goes to that logical extreme. And I think the logical extreme part of it, and just reveling in the absurdity of the fact that we're taking such a close look at this material, is what is so delightful to me. I had thought when we first had this, I, uh, when we first started talking about this, that you could kill a movie this way. You could <laughs> actually kill someone's joy for Mad Max by doing this. As I've listened to the podcasts, the exact opposite is occurring. It's, uh, it, pulls you into it, uh, your format. And plus the fact that uh, the two of you uh, enjoy talking to each other, and that comes across very well. Um, so for my listeners, for the listeners, if you like Mad Max and you want to see what it's like under a microscope, this is the podcast for you to listen to. Go back uh, uh, and scroll all the way back to the original Mad Max and uh, enjoy it because it is fun. It's on iTunes. It's on Google Play. Um, you can stream it off their website. It's a lot of fun. And Rick uh, and Julia, it was a lot of fun to meet you six months ago and, and a lot of fun talking to you tonight. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Yeah, it was good. It was good reconnecting with you. Absolutely was. And I'll bet you Kriana isn't even listening because right now I'm going to say, it's time for news. I have to take it back. Thank you, Kriana. <laughs> Java, care to join me for some news? Darn it, I was all set, too. I was like, yes, I am going to sing the news theme. It's going to be awesome. And then I didn't need to. I'm sorry. It's okay. It makes it even more special when I do get to sing it. <laughs> okay, Java, it's time to talk about the end of Star Trek Discovery. I don't think he's here. <laughs> Java? Sorry. Mm -hmm. I can't talk about the ending of Star Trek Discovery. Really? You haven't seen it yet? I haven't seen it. It is it is currently converting right now. Um, uh, actually, I'm saving that for Valentine's Day. It, uh... Right. Let's go spoiler-free then for the moment. Um, the biggest complaint with Star Trek Discovery has been how badly they screwed up the timeline, how things are now... How, how is a starship that is pre the original series, higher tech than this, blah, 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 blah. What happened to the Klingons? Why do they look the way they do? And how in the hell did Spock have a sister and we never knew it? A good portion of that stuff has actually been answered. 
but it's been answered with a with a kind of tried and true Star Trek uh, trick called the Mirror Universe, mm. which they've used in virtually every series. Mm-hmm. And they did the same thing here with uh, the captain who isn't really the captain, uh, the uh, the Empress who really isn't the Empress, um, and, and of course the boy who's Pinocchio and is actually a Klingon inside. But what are you? What are your thoughts on it to this point? I like it. I mean, I, I think that I have, I have gotten really tired of being angry nerd. <laughs> I, I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, and. I find the people that I encounter who take on that role to be awful. Unlikable, I was going to say. <laughs> and so I don't want to be that person. Uh, you know, However, I've got... Java, do you feel that there is a difference between angry nerd and thoughtful analytical nerd? Yeah, yes, well, there's an absolute difference, yeah. But but here's the here's the problem that that comes into both of those situations. Every angry nerd, mm-hmm. whether they are thoughtful or not, feels justified in their anger towards a franchise, and um, some of them, you have a tendency to you know commiserate with the people that you agree with. And uh, to exclude the people, uh, you know, um, exclude the opinions of the people you disagree with. And I understand that tendency. I just, I, I'm tired of the emotional exercise that is involved in being angry at something, especially if it's new. So, um, I, I was going to say, are you, you're, not, you're not giving up being angry about Jar Jar Binks, though, are you? Oh, I gave up being angry about Jar Jar Binks a long time ago. I did. I did. You uh, know what? You know what I just almost said, and you will understand this as a person who has children living in your house. I'm not even angry anymore. I'm just disappointed. Well, well, it's in Jar Jar Binks. When it comes to Jar Jar Binks, I think the turning point for, on that was a was a whole thing that I read about how he's actually a secret Sith Lord, but um, which was really <laughs> interesting and thought provoking, and 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 it did alter the way that I viewed the prequels. But the the biggest thing for that was you know the whole idea that the kids who are watching them they have no idea that they're bad, and they love them just as much as I loved the original series when no one knew what Star Wars was, which was when I was growing up. Right. Exactly. So, when everyone was like, "What is this ridiculous right. thing pretending to be a real movie with this, aliens and this weird, uh, like not even twenty-year-long hiatus during which no one knew what Star Wars was except for me." Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and the, but but the but the main point of this is that is that you know like I didn't watch Enterprise. It wasn't because I didn't want to. It's because I was busy. I had other things going on. Um, and, and and you can call me a bad Star Trek fan for that. That's fine. Um, you're, you're, you're talking out of your ass. But 
that's fine. You, you, you're, you're entitled to your opinion. Your opinion isn't right just because you because you hold on to it really tightly. Um, so, the when it comes to discovery and any of the Star Wars movies too, I, I'll I'll loop the new Star Wars movies into this because I've heard a lot of people going off on the new Star Wars movies as well. Um, yeah. I I don't. But these are these are new stories. There are new people telling these stories. They're and and they're about a different thing in a different time, um, and and they pay homage. And a lot of them pay a ridiculous amount of homage to the source material. And I think Star Trek Discovery is the same. The Mirror Universe is one of those things where. You know, all the way from the original series episode Mirror Mirror and um, and the 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 rest of them that all came into the rest of the series, uh, they they used it as a as a way to tell a story, and that's exactly what they did with Discovery. And yet, every piece of speculative fiction reflects the time that it's written in, and Discovery is definitely doing that. It's definitely doing that. There are there are moral there are um, moral and ethical quandaries that are that are explored in discovery that are reflective of the world that we now inhabit, and you can't make a new series a contemporary series that will hit all of your nostalgia buttons for the original series or Next Generation or Voyager whatever it is that you prefer now. Because we don't live in that world anymore. And the people who make movies and, and television shows don't live in that world anymore. They don't, they're not using the same tools. They're not using the same literative devices. It goes straight back to what we started out, out talking about at the beginning of the show when I was talking about Dark Crystal. Jim Henson's movie, The Dark Crystal, was brilliant and a masterpiece of special effects. And it told a... Uh, a story that was completely non-human, despite the fact that it was all about humanity. And it was great and brilliant. And he was really proud of it. And it was awful. Like it was, it was an awful movie. People who like went to see it. It was not a blockbuster success. No, it wasn't. No, it, 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 it flopped. Like, I mean, it wasn't a huge flop, but it was definitely not, the summer block. One of their lesser films. Yeah. That, that lab, I mean, in comparison, it, the two movies that stand out in that same genre are Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. And I'm sorry, but Dark Crystal had David Bowie. I'm Labyrinth. sorry. Labyrinth had Labyrinth David Bowie. Had David Bowie. <laughs> and he was brilliant. And, you know, it's but just. I'm going to argue that but, Dark yeah. Crystal, in my opinion, better film. I think that Labyrinth was slash is more popular because, because, you know, David Bowie, brilliant, obviously. But I think that Dark Crystal had a better story, a much better story. It's it had more relatable characters. And it didn't have the fire gang, mm. which, like the Boo Box... Still gives me nightmares. But the 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 thing that I think uh, the the point that I'm trying to make here is that is that 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 movie, The Dark Crystal, it would never be made like that today. Nope. And and it's not because uh, CGI is so awful and it ruins all movies. That's bullshit. 
CGI is it's amazing and it bullshit. does amazing things for movies. Um, the the difference. Yeah, let's talk is, about Andy Circus for a minute there. But yeah, the difference. It's not all good. Like the bad tools used poorly or good tools used poorly are still going to make a shit movie. Just like um, a good story written poorly is going to um, lead to a shit story. Like the the you know that's that's the thing. You're you're so much has to has to work for a movie or a television show to work and on the levels that i'm looking for from star trek discovery which granted are not the same levels of um expertise that i that i look for from other franchise uh, you know it's working it's working for me i'm enjoying it the the there's some bullshit that i have to wade through like yeah but join the club it's the same with any any book any movie any tv series you have to ignore the bullshit to enjoy what's left and if you enjoy what's left you know you're doing okay yeah and and i'm one of the things that i've i've tried to focus on uh recently has been giving myself permission to be a fan of things well that's um, a good thing because i thing. i I don't need to be a critic. I mean, on this podcast, I, we, we do a lot of criticism of things, but I don't need to be in my fandom. I don't need to be a critic. I can enjoy something even though it's completely dumb. It's completely dumb. Like I've been watching Vikings. Gosh, that show, <laughs> that show is, I mean, there are great things about it. There's a lot of stuff that's just stupid. Oh, like, come on. I sat here and told you how good American Bickers was. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, and that's a dumb show. It's dumb show. It's dumb. I beat both of you guys because I have admitted several times that two of my favorite movies of all time are National Treasure, the first one, not the second that's one, the first true. one, National Treasure and Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. Yep. Both of which, oddly enough, star Nicolas Cage. Do I like Nicolas Cage that much? Nah. Yeah. But he's in two of my favorite bad movies of all time. And and being a fan means that that when it comes to Star Trek Discovery, I'm going to ignore some of the stuff that people get upset about. Like, <laughs> you're going to talk about the spore drive. Don't the, talk about the spore drive. <laughs> the, the, the spore drive is dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> it is born out of our current obsession with biomimicry, which is yep. good. It's good, right? Because because when we're when we're trying to imagine near future, which is I mean, I guess you can put Discovery into that near future category now, uh, for, for the purposes of this conversation. Uh, the, you know, biomimicry is probably going to be one of the ways that we make massive technological advancements. So it makes sense that we would be thinking about that when we go into space, too. The, the, but, like, come on. I, <laughs> are we really going to sit down and, and argue about the 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 space the the space magic that makes the ships go faster than light really are we going to do that? But this Let's space magic kind of dumb. This space magic is more realistic than this other space magic. <laughs> like like <laughs> wait wait a second where where are we right now? Are we because because when it comes right down to it, Jedi are space wizards and Star Trek's uh you know engineers are just space Wizards with pocket protectors. That's it. It's the same thing. 
That's it. Technology ain't nothing but magic explained. Yeah, and so, like, okay, Spore Drive. I'm it's... pretty sure Kriana is, like, flailing right now. <laughs> but she can't say anything, because she's got to be muted most of the time now. I just, I, I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And, and I'm, I think that what I'm enjoying the most about it is that it feels like Star Trek. It feels like Star Trek. It's not the Star Trek movies, which don't feel like Star Trek to me. Um, but that the the what what I think of as Star Trek is the balance between how do we do what's right um, and good for the people around us that we care about, and how does that balance with what is good and right in a broader social context. And I think that they deal with that. I think they deal with that a lot. And so it's Star Trek to me because that's what the original series was all about. That's what Gene Roddenberry was trying to do. Um, That's what next generation was about. And next gen is my Star Trek and Voyager was the same way. And I do not leave out deep space nine. God damn you. Deep Space Nine was also was was that way. It's not it's not my favorite. Um, I know, but, but it is mine. What can I tell you? Uh, but it is. Oh, it, I was just about to say. I don't know that Deep Space Nine is anyone's favorite, and then hey, don't hey, prove hey. me wrong, and now I feel like a jerk. <laughs> but it it's 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 that it's that quandary. That is what makes Star Trek Star Trek. And I think that what I didn't get from Enterprise in the in the two or three episodes that I watched was I didn't get that moral quandary. Um, it wasn't I'm there. Not, I, I'm not sure if that's because it wasn't there or because I didn't see it or because I was distracted by other things. I watched every goddamn episode. It wasn't there. They tried. And towards the end, they tried really, really hard. And just when it looked like they were going to make the turnaround with it, Paramount pulled the plug. But it wasn't there. The, the other things that I think are, are good about it are, um, you know, I think that the... the I, I, I was watching for a while. I was watching uh, Star Trek Discovery at the same time as watching the Orville. And the Orville, interestingly enough, hits all of the same buttons that Star Trek Discovery does. In a but, very different way. Yeah. It, 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 in a way that is kind of like, hey, <laughs> we're all space wizards here. And uh, and let's let's uh, let's make fun of that. And also dick jokes. And, um, you know, at the same time. It's you wonderful. Know, it's Star- absolutely wonderful. Star Trek Discovery takes itself really seriously. Um, and also it thinks like I think that it's a writer thing. I think that the writers, God bless them, they are trying really hard to act like they are doing important, grandiose things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're they're following in this tradition of the first interracial kiss on television and yeah. yeah, all of these like really intense, thoughtful things that you know of the moment stuff from Next Gen and Voyager. Like, when does life begin? And yeah, and. Um, you know, they, they do put in the obligatory comic relief, mostly in the character of Tilly, whom is, who is my favorite person ever. Oh, can I tell you who my favorite is? And I think, you know, anyway, 
it, it's Doug Jones. And oh my God, what a great character that is. And what a great year he's had. You, have you seen The Shape of Water Shape yet? Shape of Water, yeah. Oh. You meant there was a character named Doug Jones. And I was like, they named a character after Doug after Jones? After Doug? <laughs> I was really excited and happy. But now I'm even happier. Yeah, because he's, uh, he's great. It's amazing, phenomenal. And, you know, to, to, to work in the genre that he works and do the kind of work that he's doing and be able to act at the level he's acting with all the, the, the rubber and plastic and prosthesis that he's forced to wear is just phenomenal. And it's, it's been so, for me personally, so enjoyable every time he's on the screen because uh, it, it's, it's Doug, you know? he's your friend and mine, Doug Jones. That's it. It's Doug. And he's, he's just doing such an amazing job with it. That is that is definitely true, and I just I do I can't believe that you know I've met that guy and and I you know he anyway um, I know he hugged it's me a, he's it's, giant he's 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 a great he, he's a great actor the the um but the the quote that comes to mind is that is that Robert Jordan quote where he talks about high fantasy. You know, like like I am doing high fantasy. We are doing high science fiction. Like important. Well, see, I always took that as something different. Yeah, 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 we're doing high fantasy, all right. And and when we come back down afterwards, we can giggle about it. But you know, that's just yeah. Me. Like, and I think that even in even in Next Generation and um, Voyager, there was this. This playfulness, and especially in the original series, especially. Oh no, no, no! Wait a minute. If you look at the very first episode of Next Gen Encounter at Farpoint, that is high science fiction number one. Oh my god! It's that yeah. that two hour episode was just you know we're setting a tone here. Yeah, and, it was. Uh, yeah, Patrick it broke Stewart away from saying, very I am not in any shoddy. Science fiction. I think that that was mostly Roddenberry's fault because he put those constraints of we are going to have no conflict between the crew at all. Like that was, and that, you know, that doesn't lead to good television and it's not human. His point being at this point in history, he believed that human beings would have outgrown or out out thought that whole conflict thing like we can work together um without any conflict and that whole but, roddenberry thing brings brings up another issue too and that is that uh rod roddenberry is involved in star trek discovery and it's the first time anyone of the family has been involved in any star trek series or movie in quite a while yeah, since next gen since, yeah. since next generation can i do, um, can i tell you guys a quick thing that is awesome absolutely. and probably already you guys might already know it but um because it is black history month and because we mentioned comedy and star trek i was watching drunk history the other day oh and nichelle nichols was, yeah. and they and they covered nichelle nichols i had i didn't know that 
she almost quit and that Martin Luther King told her, no, don't quit. I love that show. Yes. The only show I'll let my kids watch because it's got a strong, it's got a black female character who's not a maid. Yeah. I was like, that's yeah. awesome. And, and she was, um, another fun Michelle Nichols fact for you. She was, a NASA ambassador, which I actually had known before. What I didn't know um, was that she recruited to NASA the first ever actual astronaut to appear on Star Trek. Really? That yep. I didn't know at all. One of the one of the astronauts she recruited um, she recruited to NASA. Uh, accepted a kind of like cameo walk-on role on Star Trek. Hmm. And cool. so it's all Nichelle Nichols, like the entire success of the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> Star Wars? <gasps> you, you did I say was that. from the bad thing! <laughs> hey, uh, there's nothing but space wizards here. It's okay. It's true. Well, and a rival faction just declared war on my, on my little... Um, Space colonists. Your cannibals? So. Uh, they're not cannibals anymore. I managed to get them through nuclear winter without eating anyone. Uh, how was the squirrel casserole? Um, not so bad when you consider that it didn't send anyone into spiraling depression. Good job. No fire lighting sprees here. Mm. Anyway, so sorry. That That's was my okay. Nichelle Nichols tangent for Black it's good History good tangent Month. to have. It's an well, you know, we could talk about Altered Carbon. We can save that for next week. Um, save I saw, it for next week because then maybe I'll have a chance to watch it. <gasps> ooh. And, and uh, I did want to mention the, uh, the two-and-a-half-minute trailer for Ready Player One uh, lit last weekend. I it's, haven't seen it. I'm scared. It's pretty goddamn good. Oh my god! I shouldn't. It be is scared. pretty good. It it was the seventies and eighties nostalgia that the book kind of pushed and pushed and pushed, mm -hmm. and it it's just layered with that, and it was wonderful. Nice. And it's funny because our guest tonight, uh, in the same way that they pull the movie apart minute by minute, uh, there are these other nerdlings who do the same thing with movie trailers and well here's something you only see in the scene that lasts for two seconds if we freeze it here you can see in the back and i'm thinking to myself yeah i guess somebody actually does do this and as i'm watching the guy pull apart the, the trailer for ready player one i'm going he's going far deeper in there than anybody should have to <laughs> but that's what the character in Ready Player One does. He exactly. like, takes I movies mean, minute by minute and dissects them. And, and, and video <gasps> games. <gasps> and books. Uh, it was wonderful. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be wonderful. <sighs> I'm excited. I'm cautiously excited. How's that? Here we go. And, and, I have the same feeling yeah. about the Ready Player One movie that I had about... Um, the American Gods TV show, and I was not disappointed in the American Gods TV shows. So. Yeah, there's been some news about American Gods too, and that they've oh, lost yeah. their showrunner. 
and they, they've got somebody new for that, and they've lost uh, uh, what's her name, Jill, Gillian Anderson. <gasps> She's not back. Oh no, what are they going to do? Well, I mean, in the books, that it doesn't really matter because media changes what right. she looks like all the time. But Right, but she, she was doing, she was a terrific job. Oh my God. And, they uh, should get Tilda Swinton to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because I think they should get Tilda Swinton to do everything. I'll, but, I'll yeah, watch but, her in anything. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, she we didn't get a chance to talk about Japanese wrestling tonight. But that's okay. Uh, next week on the show, Keith Gleason's going to be on to discuss uh, Plastic City Comic Con on March 31st. Nicola Lubbock, the writer of Darby Pops, Bruce Lee, is coming on to talk about the whole Bruce Lee uh, comic series that she's writing. And April 28th, James Azarel from the Horror and Science Fiction Prop Preservation Association in Los Angeles. We'll be coming by to talk about what they do, their association, and the two books they have out. Kriana, you can start that music at any time. Although, I bet you she shut me down. Let's see. Let's see. Music. You might be having technical issues. (laughs) It happens to the best of us, and then it happens to people like us. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of GraniteCon, Keen Comic Con, BooksandBoost.com, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for some of the best deals on original art. Dozens of favorite artists. If you have a moment, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. News coming soon about My Peculiar Thank you.